We are now just one week away from the open of BYU Spring Ball. What needs to happen for the Cougars to make the most of the month ahead in spring practice for football? And also, can BYU basketball build on their big senior night as they go into the West Coast Conference Tournament? You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. The goal here, simply stated, is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room. The way we do that is being the only daily podcast focused on all things BYU. All right, let's dive right in on today's show. A week from today, BYU will be taking to the practice fields at the Student Athlete Building or inside the indoor practice facility, weather pending, obviously, as BYU. BYU football will begin its month-plus-long spring football period. Now, during the upcoming month and change that BYU will be practicing, practices I'm expecting will be stratified either two or three a week, depending on how Kalani Sitake wants to go about it. But the bigger thing for BYU is going into this period, you have a lot of turnover on this roster and also a ton of turnover with your coaching staff. And for the week ahead here, we're going to be talking about some of the major question marks for BYU, or I guess burning questions, I should call them, going into spring ball. And today's is, can BYU make the most of this opportunity? And it's a big, overarching, very um, nebulous qu- question there. But what I mean by that is, when you have a new defensive coaching staff, by and large, you only had one holdover from that side of the football in Gennaro Guilford. You have Jay Hill coming in trying to implement his new defense. He's got his new coaches working underneath him. They'll have to work out the kinks between them and also get on the same page with their players. The other thing about this is on the offensive side of the football, even with the continuity in the coaching staff, you've had a turnover in terms of the top dogs on the roster offensively. New quarterback, new running back, offensive line in flux, wide receivers in flux. There are a lot of questions about this BYU football team as they now get ready to join the Big 12 Conference. I think the bigger thing for BYU to focus on in the month ahead, and I guess for all of us, media and fans alike, uh, as we continue to kind of digest all this obviously be as many practices if not all of them as humanly possible during the upcoming spring period but the bigger thing is is for us to understand that this is a process for BYU this is not BYU of the past two or three years where the continuity has been there and it felt like in many ways BYU was going through these and just kind of working on here and there uh, different tweaks and alterations to how they were already running things that's what happens when you have a ton of continuity on the coaching staff like Kalani Sitake had over the past five years, roughly. Uh, and the bigger thing now for BYU is now that with mass turnover, both roster-wise and coaching staff-wise, how is that going to play out? I don't think you're going to see the finished product, nor should you expect to see the finished product, as BYU comes out of spring ball in mid-April. If they come out and say that, you know what, mission accomplished, we, 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 we have everything implemented, I will be absolutely floored, because guess what? A, they're lying, and B, they're just not going to say that. that. That's the bigger thing about this, is BYU is now going about things, I think, in a very new way. Because Jay Hill, any of you who have watched Weber State over the past couple of years, know that Jay operates in a unique way. How will he obviously try to implement that now is where he doesn't have the full control. He's not the head coach any longer, but he's the associate head coach as well as defensive coordinator. 
He's going to have a lot of say and a lot of pull with this BYU football program. But for each one of these players on this roster, it's a huge opportunity to go out and show yourself. I've talked about this in the past on the podcast. This spring ball period with this new staff, especially on defense, a lot of these guys who may have had opportunities in the past, maybe flubbed on them or did not make the best impression when they felt like they had their opportunity to do so, this is a new lease on life. And that's the opportunity for each one of these players to go out and reestablish themselves and prove to this new coaching staff, especially on defense, that they're capable of contributing and able to be, get on the field and be a big part of this BYU defense. But like I said, this is going to be a process, folks. I am expecting uh, we'll probably get to watch, as we typically do as a media core, 20 to 30 minutes uh, of the days we're allowed to go down to practice. I will obviously be in communication with the people I know on the inside who are able to keep their eyes on practices all all spring period long and, of course, be able to share that information with you as it comes available. But the bigger thing is, is understand that this is going to be very much a work in progress for the Cougars as they go through this spring period. I think they will have a lot of stuff implemented. I'm sure the base alignment on defense, their kind of overall philosophy, how they're going to do do things. But when you don't have some of your top dogs, and so far the tally is you're not going to have Aiden Robbins. He announced he had wrist surgery and will miss spring ball, so you expect to have him back for training camp, so he will not be actually be running drills for BYU's offense. And then on defense, your top two linebackers in theory, and both Max Tooley and Ben Bywater, both had shoulder surgery, and both of them are slated to miss spring ball. And they're probably just the tip of the iceberg in terms of guys sitting out, because the, the winter period is is a lot of guys have off-season surgeries. They've been dealing with something maybe throughout uh, the season, and they say, you know what, we can just make it through to the end of the season, then we'll have that surgery then. They heal up this time of year, and then they hit it strong in the summer, going into training camp, getting themselves ready. It would not surprise me to see a, a, a number of, of the more established guys. I can think of some different guys that even if they aren't necessarily coming off an off-season surgery, just simply due to the fact of wear and tear on their bodies, I'm talking more about the offense here. They might get a little bit lighter workload this spring. Defensively, though, anybody who's available, you can almost guarantee they are going to be on the field because they've got to get in there and prove themselves to this coaching staff. You really only get one time, it feels like, to make an impression on each one of these coaches. And when they're the new guys on campus and will make the determinations of who's making playing time, you deciding that you can't go on any individual day for whatever the reason is, if you're capable of going... You've got to get out there as a BYU defensive player. So it's going to be a very interesting spring ball period. I can't wait. Uh, we're going to talk more about quarterbacks uh, later on this week. We'll talk about the running back position as well. We've got plenty to discuss on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, what do we expect from some of the established guys coming back? Because like I said, you're not going to have Ben Bywater or Max Tooley out there actually running drills, but that gives an opportunity to a number of linebackers in that BYU linebacking core to get an opportunity to step up and show what they're capable of doing. The other question about the linebackers, just a little bit of a teaser ahead, is that how many linebackers do they really have on the roster that they feel like they can rely on? That suddenly, in, in some ways, I'm actually uh, very questionable on BYU's linebacking core just in terms of the overall depth because it feels like they have shed a bunch of guys uh, via transfer, graduation, onto the NFL, all that type of stuff, while at the same time the, the replacements, the guys they have brought in in recent seasons, just have failed to impress. So 
this is like I said, this all of these different topics I've kind of laid out here in this first little part of the podcast is that it's there's a huge, huge question marks looming over this BYU football program, but that is an opportunity at the same time. Like I said, the, the mass turnover here is a big opportunity. We all expect BYU to hopefully be more competitive than we anticipate them being here in the first year of the Big 12, but at the same time, like I said, this spring period, very, very critical to kind of establish the new culture under Kalani Satake and Jay Hill, but at the same time, make sure that the players are getting an opportunity to go out and show what they're capable of doing at the same time. And there's a balance there you have to strike, and we'll see if they're able to strike it. It'll be interesting to watch all that develop over the next month plus, but cannot wait to be out there, and snow be darned, we'll be out there uh, comes rain, sleet, shine, whatever it might be. We'll have you covered all spring ball long right here on Locked on Cougars. All right, coming up next. I'm going to talk a little BYU basketball. We officially have uh, where BYU is going to be playing in the West Coast Conference Tournament on the men's and women's side of things. Uh, the men's team got a big senior day win, and obviously the two seniors they honored, Gideon George and Rudy Williams, had fantastic performances. What does it pretend for BYU as they head to Vegas this weekend? We'll dig into that in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Built Bar. And, of course, many of you out there have heard me talk about Built Bars for years. Our good friend, true Aggie fan Dan, who loves to listen to the podcast, even though he's a Utah State Aggie, was Actually, he didn't believe that I actually like Built Bars. And you can think I'm I'm a shill here for these, but I absolutely love Built Bars. I have them in my pantry every single day. I'm pulling out one pretty much every day. I'm eating one. I absolutely love them. The best part about Built Bars, well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That is a great starter right there. The best part is the different flavors they have. All of them are 100% tasty. But more importantly, the macros on these things are absolutely incredible. Between 130 and 160 calories, 4 to 6 grams of sugar depending on the bar. That's a tiny number no matter what. And a whopping 17 to 18 grams of protein, depending on which bar you happen to be snacking on. That's what I love about Built Bars. And the best part is you used to have to be able to go on, you used to have to go online to place your order for your Built Bars and wait for them to be shipped to you. But now your local uh, Smiths and Sam's Club have them available to you guys. You can stop into your local Smiths today, pick up a four-bar pack, or if you want them in bulk, go to Sam's Club. They've got 13 bar packs available now at Sam's Club. And a little birdie also told me that Costco may or may not have them as well. So stop in or pick them up there or if you don't mind waiting go to built.com while you're there use the promo code locked on 15 that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-1-5 for 15 percent off your order that's the only online you can't do that in store but nonetheless get enjoy the best tasting protein bars and do it with our friends at built bar Thank you again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, my friends. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Of course, March is nearly here. Everything you know about college hoops in one place. Hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players alike. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk a little BYU basketball. Obviously, a big win for BYU on Saturday night. They take down a USF, and honestly, I expected this to be a much more competitive game than it was. BYU just kind of raced out and enjoyed a, a very, very nice a senior night, and that's that. That is obviously something you want to celebrate because BYU gets an eighty-seven to sixty-one win over the Dons, and via a number of different uh, tiebreakers, they actually tied with the conference record with both Pacific and USF. Uh, it actually came down to the net rating. I went through a number of different tiebreakers. The explanation for the tie 
tiebreaker scenario that the West Coast Conference issued about BYU getting the number five seed. I guess, spoiler alert, BYU's number five in the West Coast Conference tournament this coming weekend. But to get to that number five seed for BYU, the, the explanation was two full paragraphs long. Honestly, if I, were, if I were to read the entire paragraph, the entire explanation from the West Coast Conference on that, it would probably take up this entire segment of the podcast. It was that detailed, that in-depth, and just suffice it to say, it came down to net rating. BYU is actually the third best net rating team in the West Coast Conference at number 89 in the NCAA's uh, metric of net, while uh, USF is 121. So therefore, BYU got the fifth seed and now will host, uh, not host, but they will face uh, the winner of either uh, San Diego or um, San Diego and uh, Portland. Excuse me, I want to say Pepperdine. I knew it wasn't Pepperdine. Yeah, San Diego, Portland. They will play Thursday. And then on Friday night, 7 o'clock Mountain Time, BYU will play the winner of that. If BYU wins that game, they'll advance to face LMU in the quarterfinals. And then if they were to advance at that point, they'd make it to the semifinals of Monday night where they would face off against number one seed St. Mary's, and should you win that, in theory, you set up a third game against Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference Championship. It's a long, long gauntlet here for BYU. You have to win four games in five days if BYU wants to punch their ticket to the West West Coast Conference Tournament, to the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, but the bigger thing, I think, for BYU right now is take the momentum you you got uh, from this game. They had a seven They've lost 7 of 9 coming into this game against USF. Some absolute heartbreakers, of course, against Gonzaga and St. Mary's, the way you lost those. And BYU, funny enough, is 1-6 in in their uh, quad 1 wins this season. And I think all 6 of them have been uh, just tight, tight losses. Some of them 1-point losses, etc. And that's the thing for BYU to take hope in if you want the positive here for BYU going into this tournament is that they hopefully can capitalize on being as close as they were in a number of these contests and roll through this. The bigger thing for BYU, I feel like, and this is where I've got my question marks about BYU's opportunity to make a run here in the West Coast Conference Tournament, is do they have the legs and the depth to hang with the top dogs in the conference? As we all know, the West Coast Conference Tournament is slated there, or not slated, they have built their bracket to avoid early upsets of number one and number two seeds. In this case, both uh, St. Mary's and Gonzaga as the one and two seeds. They are going to get, a, yeah, I think it's a double or triple by into the semifinals here, whereas BYU, you have to play in the second round, the quarterfinals, semifinals, and then also have to win the finals on a Tuesday night to punch your ticket. It is going to be very tough. Does BYU have the legs and the depth to get through that? And that is my massive, massive question that I'm not 100% certain of with regards to BYU. Am Am I confident in saying they can make that run? I don't even know what to expect from this BYU basketball team. I said this, uh, I think, just about a week ago this time. Actually, it might have been the Tuesday edition last week. I said that this BYU basketball team has become a chore to watch because just when you want to buy hope or kind of buy stock in the Cougars, they go out and just, uh, just flame out on you. That, that's the that's the difficulty of this BYU men's basketball team. I am confident in saying I think they can make a run to the semifinals here. I think they are very capable of beating Portland or uh, the, well, this was, they, they can win it in the first round. They can beat uh, San Diego or Portland in the first uh, section. That'd be a second round. Then in the the matchup against LMU, if you can handle your business there, you punch your ticket to the semifinals. That's where I think BYU flames out though. I just think that the depth issues are going to catch up with them going up against a well rested, or at least in theory, well-rested St. Mary's squad. St. Mary's been very tough for BYU to face off against. They're a very rugged, physical team, and at that point, BYU will have gone through two games, albeit having a day off on Sunday to rest a little bit ahead of the semifinals, but the bigger thing for BYU is 
I'm not 100% certain they have the depth to make the run necessary here. But alas, you go out there and you give them an opportunity. The other thing about uh, Saturday night I wanted to also highlight is, hey, congratulations to Rudy Williams. A 1,000 career points at the Division One level is nothing to sniff at. Uh, had a very, very nice game. He lived at the free throw line, making 15 of 16 free throws in that game against USF. Also, Gideon George had two big threes early on in this game, really kind of got the momentum going. He ended up with 12 points, six rebounds. Uh, I thought both of them, in their final home game as a BYU Cougar, I think both of them celebrated Senior Day the right way. That That's what you wanted to see from both of these guys and you wish them nothing but the best. They've been guys that have uh, been very complimentary of their time at BYU in the case of Gideon George. This will be his third season, if I recall. Maybe, no, yeah, his third, I believe. Uh, but then also just one season for Rudy Williams. Both of them have been effusive in their praise of BYU fans, the overall opportunity afforded to them to be at BYU as basketball players. It seems like they have come away with a positive experience from their time as Cougars. And that's kind of how you want it to be for each one of these young men that come in here. Neither one of them had connections that I'm aware of to BYU before arriving here, but they become fan favorites in their own right. And it's really nice to see them do that uh, on senior night and get the big win in front of the home fans. The other thing about this, I want to give a tip of the cap to BYU, the BYU fan base. I think the announced attendance, let me pull this up here. The announced attendance for BYU was 15,990 fans on on senior night. Now, BYU has a sub-500 conference record. They've had their worst conference run uh, since Steve Cleveland's final season as BYU's head coach back in 2004. But over uh, nearly 16,000 of you packed into the Marriott Center, according to BYU, on Saturday night to support these guys. Th- that, to me, is exactly what BYU fans are all about. They're not a fickle bunch. You, you out there, y'all aren't fickle. That's the thing about this. BYU fans show up. They love their Cougars. And I mean that deeper than just you're a BYU football fan and you only go to BYU football games. There are fans like that. They like one individual sport. And I think the vast majority of BYU fans probably would identify that BYU football is their pride and joy. But there are thousands of you. As evidence, six, almost 16,000 people on a senior night that was... Uh, almost meaningless in a way. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it was just, it was not, did not carry very many stakes, that type of stuff. And nearly 16,000 of you showed up to support BYU. Cougar fans are a hearty bunch. You guys are the best. It was really cool to see that number of people. I was sad to have had to miss it. I actually was on pre-half and post-game coverage for an RSL broadcast on Saturday night, but I went back and watched the entirety of the game and the crowd was into it. The Rock was into it. It just, it screams to me once again that BYU, they are going to be very, very well represented Presented and well supported in the Big 12, even as some of the early struggles I would think are going to come for BYU sports as members of the Big 12 Conference. But the one thing I think BYU can bank on as they go into that is that they will have uh, BYU's fan base behind them no matter what. And that's that's what I absolutely love about it. And uh, I'll look forward to this weekend. I'm sure there'll be some of you BYU fans hitting the road to Las Vegas. I'm not going to be down there this year. I was down there last year, but not making the trip this year. But still looking forward to seeing BYU basketball and see what they can do. Maybe they can make, some, make a magical run here. It'd be fun to see it, but I think that they will ultimately flame out in the semifinals. Kind of my early take on that, but we'll have more for you guys as the week progresses leading up to Friday night when BYU returns to action. All right, uh, coming up here in just a moment, we'll round out today's show with a look back at another game in BYU's football uh, run as an independent. All 155 football games. We're talking about a, a big win over a Power 5 opponent. I think it's overlooked because just the, the this Power 5 opponent was not a prominent player during BYU's independent run, but it's a Power 5 win all the same. We'll get to that, and we'll also get to a couple other notes from the weekend that was in BYU sports here in just a couple of minutes. For 
First off, a word on our friends over at Bewearables. BYU is a global fan base, as you all know. I just talked about how hard you guys out there in BYU Nation are. And many of you have lived in different countries, whether it's uh, for work, LDS missions, that type of stuff. Bewearables.co, our good friends over there, has collected real signs from around the world that are just funny. And that's the best part about it. They've created them and turned them into shirts and also able to print them on different things like hoodies, phone cases, tote bags, and more. The best part is they're trying to have some fun with life. And that's one thing about it. If you squint and tilt your head a little bit, you will discover that life is just really funny. Each Bewearables design is based on a real road sign from around the world that is oddly funny. I'm actually going to pull this real quick. I've got it right behind me here. Hang on. Uh, this one right here, it's from a, It's from a. if you can see that on YouTube, it's actually from a, a, a factory in China, and it says, uh, take your hat off. And why would you take your hat off? Most of the time, it's like, keep your hard hats on in the factory, but nonetheless, in China, that's where it exists. The best part is these, bewearables.co has those hilarious signs from all, travels all over the world, Iceland, Southeast Asia, Brazil, and more. And the best part is if you have a sign that you've probably seen or you have a copy of, they can do a custom design for you as well. They're all sold through Amazon. They're high-quality t-shirts. They, they ship fast and for free. That's what I absolutely love about what Brad and his company over Bewearables have done. So get over and check it out. You can go to bewearables.co. That is bewareables.co to browse through the collection of funny designs and order yours now. Life is funny. Wear it. That's bewearables.co. All right, before we go here on today's show, first off, thank you for making us your first listen right here on Locked On Cougars. You guys out there uh, make this show go. But we got a couple of notes before we go on today's podcast. Is Congratulations to the BYU men's uh, volleyball program. They were in Irvine, California over the weekend as the eighth-ranked team in the country. They went five sets on Saturday night to beat Concordia Irvine in a 3-2. It was 24-26, 26-24, 19-25, 31-29, 15-12 for BYU to get the win, getting BYU's conference record in M. PSF played a two and two on the season. Uh, they are now ten and four on the season, and this BYU men's uh, volleyball team. It feels like they got some of their swagger back. That's the thing about this. This BYU men's volleyball program, how difficult the season they endured last season, they've paid the price. And the nice part is it looks like they're back to doing what they typically do, and that is being amongst the nation's elite. And we all know that men's basketball, it's a little more of an exclusive sport. There's not as many programs out there in the country. But BYU has a rich tradition in that sport, and it's fun to see them doing their thing. Now, on the downside, BYU baseball was swept in all four games against the Raging Cajuns in Louisiana over the weekend. They lost four. 4-3, 11-0, 2-1, and 11-10. They were very, very close in three of these matchups against the Raging Cajuns, but unable to get it done. They come back home, and crazily enough, folks, you have an opportunity if you want to go watch BYU baseball in person tomorrow afternoon. Weather pending, but BYU is expected to host a UV, not host UVU. They're playing at UVU in their first crosstown clash matchup of the season. 405 uh, first pitch on that. Bundle up. It'll probably be pretty chilly, but an opportunity to watch it all the same. It'll be on the WAC streaming. Also, BYU Radio will have the call of it. And then BYU this uh, coming weekend has their home opener. Omaha making the trek uh, to BYU. And I'm hoping the weather holds out here because they'll play Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in a three game set uh, for the Cougars. So, Going to be an opportunity early on in the season, early March, home baseball for BYU. It's kind of a dicey proposition at times, and especially how this winter has gone for us here along the Wasatch Front. Uh, could be some snow on the ground, but the nice part is BYU's filled with that uh, artificial turf they installed. They actually can melt all the turf and actually uh, melt all the snow. Not melt all the turf. Melt all the snow and then uh, get out there on the field and hopefully uh, have a good weekend ahead and hopefully have a good win tomorrow. Uh, I'm just 
prognosticating that going up against UVU over at Brent Brown Ballpark. All right, last thing before we go on today's show is our look back at BYU's 155 games as an independent football team stops in the middle of the 2013 season as Georgia Tech made the trek to BYU in the middle of October. Uh, kind of a weird game. It was October 13th. It came to BYU, speaking of the Yellow Jackets. But Taysom Hill looked like absolute dynamite in this game, completing 19 of 27 passes, 244 yards, had one passing touchdown as well as one rushing touchdown. Uh, Jamal Williams ran for 86 yards while Taysom Hill added 65 yards on the ground. And BYU actually uh, won this game in the first half. If any of you recall this matchup, I was actually in the uh, stadium when I was reading up on this. I was kind of brought back some of my memories. I remember this was an absolutely dominant first half for BYU against Georgia Tech. And I, I, I was reading up on some of the recaps. They had 345 of their 433 yards in the first half alone. And now, you're probably wondering why they take the gas a foot off the gas in the second half. Uh, BYU actually exceeded uh, a lot of the uh, ball control in the second half to the triple option offense that Georgia Tech ran. But uh, alas, BYU built up, built up a comfortable lead, had a big win. Uh, I do very vividly remember uh, Lonnie Fua getting that 51 yard pick six off Vad Lee, their quarterback. Speaking of Georgia Tech, picked it out of the air, rumbled back 51 yards for a touchdown. One of the just true highlight plays of Lonnie Fua's career as a BYU Cougar and. Just it was fun to it's fun to rehash all these games. It was a good win for BYU. The crazy thing about this is BYU uh, got back to back wins in 2012 and 2013 over Georgia Tech, and that goes to the tally of BYU. They have played a ton of Power Five teams during this run as an in- independent program, and have had fairly good success actually against a number of these. Like I said, back to back wins in 2012 and 2013. One of those a win uh, down in Atlanta against Georgia Tech, and obviously the win in 2013 at home over the Yellow Jackets. Yeah, they are not a power player. They have not been the big dog in the ACC, nor do they look like they're going to be anytime soon, but it's still BYU was told all the time, you can't compete with Power 5 programs. The crew's like, yeah, stuff that. We can do exactly that. And that's what they did against Georgia Tech here. Now, we'll talk more about these games as they progress for BYU in this 2013 season. But it's a big win for BYU because uh, as the, after the winning that game, BYU suddenly was 4-2 and two after a 2-2 two and two start to the season. And then they were set to play maybe the craziest game of the 2013 season against the Houston Cougars. The Cougs versus the Cougs. We'll talk about what happened in that matchup on tomorrow's podcast. That's going to do it for today's edition of the show. A huge thank you once again for your guys' support as always. I said this before and if I haven't, uh, if you didn't hear it already, uh, thank you to all of you by the way. You have uh, already set records the first two months in terms of overall downloads and views on Locked On Cougars uh, across our now f- going into our fifth year as a podcast. We haven't had this six- much success in the month of January and February combined in the previous four years. So thank you for your support as always. You guys are the absolute best and cannot thank you guys enough for your continued support of this venture until tomorrow thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day want to encourage you guys make sure you check out the locked on big 12 podcast go catch up on everything going on in the big 12 with josh neighbors more on conference realignment the incredible college hoop season the big 12 is having as well plenty on that catch up with locked on big 12 now on youtube or wherever you get your podcast for free until tomorrow my friends have a great rest of your day this has been the locked on cougars podcast see ya